All right, we'll say good morning. Let's begin. So today's daf is Megillah daf vav, Megillah daf vav. So we left off. We left off with Gufa. So we're two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. Second one. Thank you. Second wide line. Good. No. Give me, give me a little bit of slack. All right, just the <laughs> second wide line, Gufa. Says the Gibar, Chizkiya Kari Petiveria Barbesa Bechameser. Mesapkele, Imukefes Homemos Yeshua Benun. Ilos, remember again, Abosa, we were discussing yesterday about Tiveria and whether or not Tiveria is considered to be a walled city or an unwalled city. Obviously, the ramification of which is which day do you end up going ahead and reading the Megillah. So the Gemara says, the Gemara said yesterday that Chizkiah read on Tiveria on the 14th and the 15th because he was not sure if Tiveria was surrounded by a wall at the time of Yoshua Benun or not. Is there any suffix about the status of Tiveria? After all, the Haksiv, the Pasuk says, Va'ari Mifzar, quoting over here the Pasuk from Yoshua, Va'ari Mifzar, these are the walled cities, Hatsidim, Tzer, Hamas, Rekes, Vikineres. So the Gemara says, Rekes, Vikaimalon. So this is a list of just all of walled cities. And we learn, we have a tradition, Vikaimalon, Tveria, excuse me, Rekes, Zotveria. We have a tradition that the city of Rekes is the city of Tiveria. So you see from here that Lamaisa Tiveria is considered to be a walled city, to which the Gemara says, So why was it exactly that he was Mesopok? Because Tiveria on one side is water. On one side, it totally faces the water. So his suffix was, does, being, does, does facing the water on one side and even if you're walled on the other three, does that make you a walled city or not? If that's the case, that that's what his suffix is, that Tveria is closed on three sides. And on the fourth side, technically it's also closed, but it's closed by the water. So the Gemara says, Why is that a suffix? I will say it is clear that water does not count as a wall. This Sanya, because we learned in our Brisa, Asher lo choma. Both said Tov over here, Torah is talking about Bate Orechoma, um, houses in a walled city. So houses in a walled city have a different set of halachos when it comes to real estate purchases or real estate sales, the duration of them. So the Gemara says that in order to be considered, in order to, in order to be considered a house in a walled city, it has to be a city that has a choma, below shore eager, and not a wall of houses surrounding it. Below or below, excuse me, below shore eager saviv pratletveria sheyama chomasa. So let's say, for example, when the Torah says that a walled city has to have a wall, that comes to exclude, let's say, a, a city that is surrounded by a wall of houses, or for that matter, a city that has water as one of its walls, to which the Gemara says, So when it comes to whether or not Tiveria is considered to be a walled city in terms of real estate purchases, so that there's no suffix, meaning everyone will agree that in order to be a walled city, let's say for real estate purposes, Lamaisi, you have to be actually walled on all ends. Kikam and Safkele, so when is there a suffix? Le'inyan Mikra Megillah. The suffix comes up in terms of Megillah. Because we'll say, why? What does the Megillah say? So the Megillah, when it discusses the cities that read the Megillah, so mentions two places. My Prazim Umay Mukafan. Remember, the Megillah mentions 
prazim unwalled cities, mukaf and walled cities. So the Gemara says, my prazim, my mukaf and dechsivi, kavi mikra megillah, mishum dahani miglu, vahani lo miglu. So on one hand, we can say, here's a distinction. A walled city, a walled city is not revealed, is covered, is closed off, versus an unwalled city, which is miglu, it literally means revealed. If that's the definition of walled versus unwalled, then what? Vahanami miglu. On one hand, again, this city of Tiberia is revealed. Why is it revealed? Because Lamaisa, again, on one side it faces the water, and therefore the city is fully visible, meaning its, its view is not obscured because of a wall. Therefore, it will be considered to be an unwalled city. And read on the 14th. All deal, but the other possibility is, Mishum Dahani Mignu, Vahani Lo Mignu. Or maybe the difference between a walled city and an unwalled city is what, Rabosai? In terms of protection. A walled city is one that is protected. An unwalled city is one that is not protected. And if that's the definition, Vahanami Migna. But Tiberia would also be protected, Wairabosai, because again, being closed off by the water is also considered to be a form of protection. And therefore, because of this, Mishumhachi Misafkeles. Rabosai, this is why Chiskia was not sure what to do in, in Tiveria, not as much because he had a suffix, not, not because the suffix is in Tiveria, but the suffix is really in our definitions. What is the definition of a walled city? Is it a city that it, whose view is fully obscured on all sides because it's surrounded by a wall? Or is it a city that is protected on all ends? The Nafkamina would, on every side, the Nafkamina, the practical difference would be Tveria, where it's not covered by a wall on all ends, but it is protected on all ends because one of its ends faces the water. So, be, go ahead. What does the actual word mean? City. City. So because of that, because of that, Chizkiah was not sure as to the definition. Because of that, he read on both the 14th and the 15th. So the Gemara goes weiter. Ravasi kari Megillah b'Hutzel bar beisamechamisar. Similarly, Ravasi read the Megillah in Hutzel. So Hutzel again is a is a place. He read it on the 14th and 15th. Mesav kilei imu kefes chomimos Yeshua benun ilo. He was again because the Gemara is just giving another example of a place in which there was a suffix as to what the identity of the city was. So what? So he read on the fourteenth or fifteenth. He wasn't yeah. sure. Was it? Was it? Was it surrounded by wall? Tam benun or not? Iker de Amr. There's another version of this that says Amravasi high hutzel the base binyamin mukefes chumim mos Yoshua benuni. So we'll say two different versions of this of this episode. In version number one, Ravasi wasn't sure about the status of hutzel. Therefore, he read it on the fourteenth and fifteenth. In the second version, Ravasi makes a declarative statement that Hutzal was in fact surrounded by a wall at the time of Yoshua Benun, and therefore reads on the fifteenth. Okay, Amr Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan said the following: Ki avina Talya. When I was a young man, it's interesting. Talya, Talya actually means like a young a young lamb. So I guess it was also used as a term for Rashi says over here, Kishayisi Naar. When I was young, when I was young. Amina Milsa de Sha'onilasabye. I said over I, I had an idea of that of which I asked my elders, top of the Ishtachach Kavasi. And it turned out that I was right. So Rabbi Yochanan said that, that I, I, when I was younger, I thought about something. I had an idea. And I said it over to people who were older and wiser than me. And they corroborated the truthfulness of my statement. And what did I say? I said, Hamas Zutveria. In fact, Hamas, Rabbi Osai, again, remember going back to these cities that were quoted in the Pasuk. 
in Yahushua. So, so here you have Rabbi Yochanan suggesting that Hamas is really the Tveria, same same city, different names of the same city. I v'lamanikra shma Hamas. So why is it called Hamas? Al shum chamei Tveria. Because we'll remember Tveria was known, or still is known, for its hot springs. Therefore it's called Hamas for its hot springs. Rekes, the city of Rekes, Zut Tzipori, that is the city of Tzipori. Velamanikra shma Rekes. So why was it called Rekes? Mishum demedalia kiraksa dinara. Because it is raised like the bank of the river. Kineret. Zoginosar. The city of Kinneret is the same thing as Ginosar. Velama Nikra Shma Kinneret. So why was it called Kinneret? Dimatiki Pera Kekala de Kinari. So beautiful. So again, if 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 it was called, if it was if it was really Ginosar, so why was it called Kinneret? Uh, right, well, uh, I'm sorry, right. So the Gemara says, why? The Matiki Pera called the Kinari because the fruit of Ginosar was as sweet as the sound of the harp. So because of that, it was called Kinneret from Lashon Kinar, from Lashon of Harp. So beautiful. Amar Rava, mi ikalamand Amar Rekes laf Tiberiahi. So Rava says, is there anyone who doesn't agree that Rekes is Tiberia? Vaha, but yet we see Kishachiv inishacha. When Rabbi say when a person dies in Bavel, and this is not just a person is a tam tchacham. When a tam tchacham dies in Bavel, so what happened? There in Eretz Yisrael, they eulogize him in the following way: He was great in Sheshach. I will say Sheshach. Rashi says over here is Bavel. There's another name for Bavel. and he established a name for himself in Rekes. In Rekes, which again, they understood to be referring to Tiveria. V'chi maski Arona l'hasam. And when they bring the casket from Babel to Eretz Yisrael, sapti lehachi, they would eulogize him in the following way. Ohave siririm, those who love the Jewish people, that Rashi translates siririm as klal Yisrael, yoshvei Rekes, those who live and dwell in Rekes, tzu'u v'kiblu haruge omek, go out and receive those who were killed in literally in the Omek in the valley, which again is a reference to Bavel. Kinach nafshed Rabbi Zera, when Rabbi Zera died, Pasach Allahu Saptana, a certain person who was eulogizing, began saying the following, Enet Eret Shinar Hara Vialada, the land of Shinar, which again is a reference to Bavel, literally bore and gave birth to this person, a reference to Rabbi Zera. Rabbi Zera was born in Bavel, and what happened? Eret Tzvi Gidla Sha'ashu Eha. And literally, the land of the Tzir, we'll say Tzvi in this context means the beauty. Beauty. The beautiful land raised him and became, and became, and it be, he became its delight. And we'll say, so it's interesting over here, just historically, Rabbi Zero was born in Bavel, but then he made Aliyah. He lived in Eretz Yisrael. So when they eulogized him, so they said again, he was, he was, he was born, he was carried and birthed in Bavel, but ultimately again, the land of beauty raised him. Such a beautiful, like the land of the Eretz raised him. Oy na la, Amra Rekes, ki avda kleichem dasa. Woe to you, Rekes, because you have lost the instrument of your beauty. So I'll say all of this is just being brought down to demonstrate the idea that Rekes is in fact Tiveria. That's all it's doing, it's just supporting that idea. Ela Amr, Ela Amr Rava, Chamas Zu Chame. Grar. Rather, again, so we'll say another version. So according to this version, Hamas is Chamegrar. So again, Chamegrar is a place. Rekes zu Tiveria. Kineres zo Ginosar. 
Rekes is Tveria, Kineres, Kineret is Ginosar, Velamenikrashma, Rekes. So we'll say, why, why is it that Tveria is called Rekes? Sha'afilu Rekonen Sheba, Malayan Mitzos Kariman. Well, it's such a beautiful idea. So why is Tveria called Rekes? Because again, even the emptiest ones, meaning even the simplest people in Tveria, were filled with mitzvos like the seeds of a pomegranate. So that's why, again, rekes, rekes is a play on the word rimo. Okay? Rabbi Yirmiya, Rabbi Yirmiya says rekeshma. In fact, the real name of the city is really rekes. See, up until now, we've assumed that, that the real name of the city is Tveria, but rekes was just a descriptive name. And now, Rabbi Yirmiya is suggesting just the opposite. Rekes is its, is its formal name. All right, so why is it called Tveria? Sheosheves biti bura shal eretz Yisrael. Because it sits in the center of the land. Rava Amarava says, Rekeshma. In reality, again, it's called Rekes. Velamenikrashma Tveria. Why is it called Tveria? Shetova ri'iyasa. Because again, it's, it literally, it looks beautiful and it has a beautiful view. Amar Zi'ira. Kitron Zotzipori. Kitron. That is the city of Tzipori. Velama Nikrashma Tzipori. So why is it called Tzipori? Why do we call it Tzipori if its real name is Kitron? Sheoshevesh Tzipor Shahar Kitzipor. Because it sits perched on top of the mountain like a bird. Vikitron Tzipori. Is that true? That Kitron is Tzipori? Vahakitron but I will say, we know that Kitron was part of the tribal portion of Zvulun, because the Pasuk says, Zvulun lo horish es yoshve Kitron, ves yoshve nahalom, vizvulun uzvulun misraim amidosav hava. So we'll say, listen to this. So the Pasuk in Shoftim says that Zvulun did not go ahead and conquer those who, who lived in Kitron and the ones who lived, who dwelt in Nahalol. Now that's the end of the Pasuk. And then the Gemara says, Uzvulun Misraim Amidosov. Zvulun, we know, where they were not happy. Zvulun, we'll say in the singular, Zvulun was not happy with his lot in Eretz Yisrael. Shene'emar, because the Pasuk says, he quotes over here now the Pasuk from Shoftim, Zvulun am, Zvulun am cheref nafsho lamos. The Rebbe said, the way, the way, we, the way that, what this Pasuk actually means is that Zvulun was willing to fight to the death. Zvulun was willing to fight to the death. The way the Gemara homiletically interprets this Pasuk is, Zvulun am cheref nafsho lamos, which means, Zvulun shamed its soul to death, meaning that Zvulun was very ashamed of the tribal portion it received. Matam, why was Zvulun all upset about the tribal portion it received? Mishum de Naftali because Naftali received the best fields. So we'll say, what is Zvulun upset? Listen to this. Amr Zvulun Zvulun said to God, Ribono Shalom, Laachai to my brothers. Nasati lahem sados ukramim. You gave my brothers fields. You gave my brothers vineyards. Velina sati harimu gvos. And to me, you gave mountains and valleys. Laachai nasati lahem aratzos. To my brethren, you gave land. Velina sati yomim unharos. And to me, you gave seas and rivers. So Zvulun is upset, because again, he just doesn't have massive tracts of land. He has a lot of mountains, a lot of valleys, and a lot of water. So well, what's going on with this? So listen to this. This is so beautiful. Amarlo, says to Zvulun, Everyone's going to need you, why Zvulun? Because only in your waters 
will you find Mechilazon? Remember again, Mechilazon is the, is the snail-like creature from which they produce Tchilas, the dye for tzitzis. Obviously, everyone needs the dye for the tzitzis. And Mechilazon is only found in the waters of Zvulun. Shene'amar. Shene'amar usfune timune chol. Tani Rav Yosef, what does that mean? What does that mean? When you over here, he quotes the Pasuk, Usafuni Tamuni Chol. Tani Rav Yosef, Safuni Zechilazon. So Safuni, that refers to the Chilazon. Tamune Zotaris. Rav Yosef, what is Tamune Zotaris? Look at Rashi, this is amazing. Taris, Dag Shekorin Tunina. Tuna. Right, apparently, again, they, so Tuna was very common in the waters of Zavulun. Chol, what does it mean? Sand. Zichuchis levana. It refers ultimately to white glass, that apparently the sand, the sand by the beaches of Zavun was very high quality sand, and they were able to make what's called white glass, which was a very expensive type of glass. Amar lefanav ribano shalolam. Mi modi'eni. I'll say, listen to this. So Zvulun says, Ribbon Shalom, thank you very much. I appreciate the fact that you made my waters filled with tuna and with chilas, and only one problem. People will just come and take it on their own. Right? Meaning, how, how do I, essentially what Zvulun is asking, really, is, which is good cash, huh? how do I know that I'm going to cash in on this? Right? At the, at the end of the day, you know, it's very nice that it exists, but what's going to stop the poachers from coming along and taking whatever they want? How do I know that I'm really going to cash in on this? Amrullah, meaning Mimo Dina, literally means who is going to tell me if others take this without paying for it? Amrullah, listen to this. He quotes the Pasuk, Sham Yizbichu Zivchei Tzedek. Simon Zeh, Simon Zeh, I'm sorry, Simon Zeh Yehelecha, you'll have this sign. Anyone who takes from you without paying for it will not benefit in any of their business transactions. Meaning the people will realize that if they want to be able to be economically successful, they're going to have to pay you for anything they take from your waters. Okay. And if you say that Kitron, remember, so now what we've established is that Kitron is part of Zvulun's tribal area. Now, if you say that Kitron is Sipori, Amai Misraim Amidosov, why would Zvulun complain about having Sipori? Sipori is an incredible place. I maybe will say that that Sipori does not flow with milk and honey. Well, that's not true. Vahamar Eishlakish, Eishlakish said, I have seen how the city of Sipori flows with milk and honey. And there are literally rivers of milk and honey, 16 mil by 16 mil, that flow through Tsipori. Obviously, employing a bit of hyperbole here, but to make a point that Tsipori was considered to be a very, a very lush and vibrant city. I maybe will say that even if Tsipori has a lot of chalavu divash, a lot of milk and honey, it's still not as good as the portion of his brethren. I saw the milk and honey of all of Eretz Yisrael. And it flows literally from Mabikubi, that's a place, until Akra, until the point, port of Tulbakani. Esrin Vitartin Parsi, Orka, it is 22 parsos in length. 
Ufusya shisa parsi, and it's width is, is six parsos. So I'll say, so what you see from here is, if that's the amount of milk and honey in all of Eretz Yisrael, then the amount of milk and honey in Sipori is a significant amount of that. So we'll say, keep track of the question. The question is that if you're going to tell me that Kitron is Sipori, then, and that means then Kitron, then Sipori is part of the tribal area of Zvulun, then why is Zvulun complaining to HaKadosh Baruch Hu about his portion? Because it appears that Sipori was one of the, was one of the lushest, most vibrant parts of all of Eretz Yisrael. Afilu Hachi said, no, you're right, Kitron is Sipori, and it's lush, and it has the majority of milk and honey in Eretz Yisrael. Afilu Hachi, Sados Ukramim Adifale. Nevertheless, Zvulun still wanted more fields and vineyards. You could be medayik in this because it says v'naftali amirome sada. They were both say what did what was Zvulun upset about? Zvulun saw naftali with all of his beautiful fields. Shlamin Abos say such an incredible yisod that sometimes the greatest challenge in life that prevents us from being happy with what we have is our compare by with the fact that we compare ourselves to others. Meaning, if we would just go ahead and look at our bracha. In a vacuum, independent of others, we'd realize how much we have. It's true. Something was so it could be others have more, others have better, and sometimes, unfortunately, that prevents me from seeing my own bracha. So the Gemara's conclusion is, I, I don't really get it. Zvulun, Zvulun again, Lemaisa, Zvulun Lemaisa has Tsipori, which is probably the lushest city in Eretz Yisrael. He also has waters that are filled with tuna and chilazon, incredible, incredible sources of income. But at the end of the day, he looks over his shoulder, and what does he see? He sees that he sees Naftali. He's got a lot of nice vineyards. He's got a lot of nice vineyards. And at the end of the day, that leads him to complain to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Very profound Gemara. So the Gemara says, They cannot fight. Shmamina. Amra Biyavo. The Ekron. Now the Gemara quotes the Pasuk from Tsefanya. The Ekron. The Ekron Te'aker. Ekron will be uprooted. What is Ekron? Zu Kesari Bas Edom. This refers to the city of Kesari who is the daughter of Edom, Shehiyosheves Benacholos, that sits between the sands, and this city of Kesari was a constant, literally Yosei Takua means an embedded peg, like a thorn, like a thorn, um, to the Jewish people during the entire time of the Greek occupation. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here the following, he says, Yosei uh, Takua, it was a source of, of incredible difficulty during all days of the Ivanim. When the Chashmonoim went ahead and defeated the Greeks, they called it the, literally the captured city or the captured tower of song. So we'll say this refers again, there, there were, by the way, you should know, there were a number of cities called Caesarea. Kesari. So this refers actually to Kesari in Eretz Yisrael, which was the stronghold of the Greeks. But remember, again, there were Kesarios, right, all, all over the place, because Kesario literally is a, is a city name for the Caesars. So they were, they were everywhere. So that's why he calls it Kesaria Bas Edom. Listen to this. What's the meaning of the Pasuk again in Zechariah? I will remove the blood from the mouth. And the disgusting things from between the teeth. And he will be left for our God. What does that mean? So the Gemara says, What does it mean? I will remove the blood from the mouth. 
that refers to their home of Avodazar. The Shabbat was saying, I will destroy the places of Avodazar that the Gentile nations have created in Eretz Yisrael. They're discussing things right between the teeth. Zebes Galya. So Beis Galya was, was a specific type of idolatry. Zebes Galya Shelahen. Venishar Gamhulei Lokenu. But yet again, that which is for God will be left. Elu bate knesios, ubate midrashos, sheba adom. Sheba adom. We will say that as much as the Shabbat will destroy the Avod, the Zara of Adom, yet, interestingly enough, the shuls and the bate midrash that we have established in Adom will endure. Vahava quotes over here now the Pasik from Zechariah again. Vahaya ka'aluf bi Yehuda, the Ekron kiyevusi. What does that mean? Elu tratios the karkasios sheba adom. This refers tratios are the theaters or amphitheaters. Karkasios are the circuses that exist in Edom. Sha'asidin sare Yehuda lilameid bahen Torah barabim. We'll say, listen to this. That when Mashiach comes, so the amphitheaters and the circuses, which again were areas that were used for large gatherings by, by the Greeks and then later on the Romans, and often were, were the place where incredible immoral activity happened. When Mashiach comes, they're gonna be used, they're gonna be used for they're gonna be used for Talmud Torah. I'll, say, I'll tell you, I, I, I thought about this Gemara during the Siyam Hashas. You know, if you, you think about it, you wanna see like you wanna see like the little taste of Mashiach. The little taste of Mashiach is again not chasas. Some of these places are used for immorality. They use for you know good sporting events. But the idea is you're taking these places. You're taking these places that are that are used for like the most mundane things, and yet again they're housing incredible gatherings of Torah. Quite amazing to think about. I'm Rabbi Yitzchak. You could save that vart for six years from now. Keep it. Fold down the page. I'm Rabbi Yitzchak. So again, Rabbi Yitzchak says the following, Leshem Zupamyas. So go over here now, the Gemara quotes, because the Pasuk over here quotes, uh, actually, Vayetik Vul B'nei Dan Mehem, Vayalu B'nei Dan Vayalachamu Im Leshem. Quotes the place Leshem. What's Leshem? So Rabbi Yitzchak says, Leshem is Pamyas, Ekron Te'aker, Zukesari Bas Edom. What does it mean Ekron will be uprooted? That refers again to Kesaria of Edom. Now, said, what does it mean, Kisari of Adam? Listen to this. Shehi haisa metropolin, metropolin shal malachim. That Kisari shal Adam was considered to be a metropolis for kings. And again, Abba said, this is Kisari in Eretz Yisrael. It was Kesari. Now, the truth is, I shouldn't say that. The truth is, this is Kisari. When he says Kisari of Adam, really what it means is Kesari. It means Rome. It means Rome. So the Gemara says, because again, before in the Gemara was also talking about Kesari of Eretz Yisrael, but this is Kesari Bas Edom, is Kesari of Rome. So the Gemara says, was a metropolis for kings. Amri, de Marbi Bamalchi. Some say that many kings, many kings live there. The Ikeda Amri, de Mukmi Malchi. Others say that they appointed kings from there. The point is, it was a place for the elite. So the Gemara says, Kesari Yushalayim. Well, say if you have. Kesari and Jerusalem. Im Yomar Lacha Adam Charvushtehen Altanos is very profound Gemara. If somebody tells you that both Kesari and Yerushalayim have been destroyed, Altamin, don't believe them. Yashushtehen, if somebody tells you that they're both dwelling peacefully, Altamin, don't believe it. Charva Kesari Vyashu Yerushalayim. Somebody tells you Kesari was destroyed, Yerushalayim stands. Or Harva Yushalayim the Yashva Kesari or Chas Hashem Yushalayim is destroyed and Kesari stands Tamin that you can believe Shene because the pasuk says the pasuk says quoting over here from Yecheskel Imal O Hacharava 
literally I will go ahead and fill up the one that is destroyed. Imaleya zu, if this one is full, if this one is complete, chareva zu, this one is destroyed. Vimaleya zu, and if this one is complete, excuse me, chareva zu, this one is destroyed. I will say, such a profound gemara. Uvra nachmen by Yitzchak, Rayachem, says from here, ula om mil om yeematz. Literally, one nation shall be stronger than the other. A reference ultimately to when Rivka Yimenu is told that she's carrying twins, and the news that she gets is they will be locked in constant struggle. So I will say, such an incredible insight. What the Gibara says is that the notion of the relationship between Yisrael to Edom, and remember again, Edom represents the world. So the relationship between Edom and Yerushalayim is, you know what? They're never at they're never at equilibrium with one another. If Yerushalayim is strong, then again Edom is weak. If Edom is strong, then Yerushalayim is weak. Such an incredible insight into the balance of power in the world. What's the meaning of the Pasuk? Yuchan Rasha Balamat Sadek. So here now the Gemara quotes the Pasuk from Yeshayahu. You literally it means Yuchan Rasha, you give favor, you show favor or kindness to the wicked. Bal Lamad Sadek, despite the fact that he does not learn righteousness. So what's the pshat? You're listen to this. Amr Yitzchok Neachadish Baruch Hu. Yitzchok said to God, Yitzchok Avinu Ribbono Shal Olam Yuchan Esav Hakadish Baruch Hu. You should have compassion on Esav. We'll say amazing. Only, only, only a parent, right? Only a parent can have compassion on an Esav. But Yitzchok Avinu is still Esav's parent. Have compassion on Esav. Amr Lo Rasha Hu. Baruch Hu says, What are you talking about? He's a Rasha. Amrlo ba lama tzedek. So we'll say, listen to this. Yitzchak says something amazing. Look at look at Rashi just a moment. Amar Yitzchak ba lama tzedek kilomar ein adam yachol lamid alav tzedek. Yitzchak avinu says, God, does Esav not have one redeeming quality? Like, is there is there not something good you could find about him? You know, he uh, he picks his laundry up off the floor. Right? You know what? what? No, I've heard that one. <laughs> right? So a, 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 anything, right? He, a, whatever, it, whatever it is, whatever it is, is there not something redeeming that you could find about him? Kodesh Baruch Hu literally says, in quoting the Pasuk, again from Yeshaya, that meaning he's going to destroy Yerushalayim. So Kodesh Baruch Hu tells Yitzchak, I just want you to know, your son, your son Adam will destroy Yerushalayim. Amrlo Imkain Bal Gavas Hashem. Hashem. If that's the case, Yitzchak Avinu says, let him not see the majesty of God. Meaning Yitzchak Avinu agrees after hearing that Esau is ultimately going to go ahead and destroy Yerushalayim, let punish him. Let him get what's coming to him. What's the meaning of the Pasuk when it says again, I think the Pasuk from Tehillim, Ayitin Hashem Ma'avaye Rasha. This is amazing. Zimamo Listen to this. Excuse me. Literally. God, do not give, do not give the desires to the wicked or do not fulfill the desires of the wicked. Literally, do not remove their nose ring. Listen to this. God, Yaakov, you know, says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ribono shal olam, al-titin le'esav ha-rasha ta'avas libo. Do not go ahead and give Russia, give, excuse me, give Esav the Russia, the desires of his son. You say it's interesting. Yitzchak Avinu tries to plead for mercy for his son. Yaakov knows who his brother is from the outset. So please, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, do not go ahead and give Esav the desires of his heart. Zimamo al-tafir, get ready for this. 
do not remove his nose ring. Get you ready for this? So what does he mean, do not remove his nose ring? Zu germania shall edom. What does it refer to do not remove his nose ring? It's specifically referring to the nation of Germania. Now, also, you should know. So the Gra, the Vilna Gon comments on this Gemara and he says, German, he has a different Gersa. He says, it's not Germania. What is it? It's Germania. It's Germania. It's Germany. He says, what, get, this tribe of Germania. So Yaakov even says, do not rem- remember the nose ring, just so you should understand this. When you had a nose ring on an animal, so that kept the animal in submission. Holding on to that would keep the animal somewhat docile. Do not remove the nose ring from Germania. She'el male heinyotzin, because if you remove the nose ring from Germania, machrivin kala olam kulo. They have the ability to destroy the world in its entirety. You say, you hear this? Absolutely amazing in the Gemara. In the Gemara, already a reference to the horrifically destructive power of Germania of Edom. Amazing. Tragic. Said, Tlas ketiri taga ika we'll say Germamya has 1300, cra- oh, excuse me, not 1300, 300 crown princes. I guess Germamya, Germamya was split up according to different chieftains, different, different, different kings, different smaller kingdoms. So it has 300 kings. Shal Edom, excuse me, Merzavni. Ika Beromi, and there are 365 chieftains in Romi. Ubichol Yoma, every single day, Nafki Hani Laapi Hani. So the chieftains of Rome go out to war against the kings of Germany, and what happens? Umaktil Chalminayu, and one of the leaders is killed each day. Right? Somebody on each side is killed each day. Umatridi Lookimi Malka. And about this is a good thing. Why? Because apparently the way Akhalish Baruch Hu set it up is that Germania and Rome are always fighting with each other. So because they're always fighting with each other, at least they tend to leave everybody else alone. And because one of the kings or one of the chieftains dies each and every day, it keeps them occupied with replacing those offices. But Amra Bishak, listen to this Rabbi again. It's just amazing. I'm Rabbi Yitzchak. It's an important Gemara to underline, to highlight, to put your bookmark on, whatever you have to do. If a person says, I toiled, but I did not find, meaning I worked very hard, but I did not realize results, do not believe them. If a person says, I did not try very hard, but I realized my results, do not believe him. Yagati umatsasi, but if a person says, I toiled and I found, I, I reached my result, then tamin, then you can believe them. I'll, say, I'll just tell you again, it's interesting. The Gemara is not saying, remember, he doesn't say, Yagati vehitslachti, I put in effort and I succeeded. Russian is matsasi, that I found something. Something positive came from, these, from this toil. So if a person says, I toil, I didn't toil, I toiled, but I didn't get any positive results. It's not true. There's always positive results from the effort, from the toil. Man, I get what you want, but there's always positive efforts. A person says, I got positive efforts, but I didn't toil. Any positive efforts that come to you without toil are not worth having. Or if a person says, I toiled, and I received, I found positive, positive results, then again, believe such an individual. The Gemara qualifies this. They both say, this is true in matters of spirituality. When it comes to business, Siyatohu min Shemaya. I will say, so business, 
That's, that's divinely ordained, meaning there are plenty of people that make a lot of money and yet do not expend a lot of effort. And there are a lot of people who expend an incredible amount of effort, but yet, for whatever reason, are not masliach. Are not masliach. So when it comes to parnasa, that this, para, this paradigm that we're expressing over here is a paradigm by ruchnius, a paradigm by spirituality. Parnasa siyat dishmaya. Furthermore, the divrei Torah, even when we speak about Torah, I will say, when we say that again, this paradigm that if you have to put in the effort and you will realize the results, that's only to understand things. Listen to this. But to remember things, I will say, it's actually quite amazing. So, which we know, which we know. Again, memory is just something, again, that I need, I could review and review and review and learn and try, but to remember something, that requires incredible siyata d'shmaya. It's beautiful. So Rabbi Yitzchak says, if you see a wicked person, means the hour is smiling upon him, or the hour is kind to him. Meaning, if you see a rasha who is being matzliach, you see a wicked person who is just having incredible life success, al tiskarebo. Literally, do not contend with him. Don't start up with him. Because the Pasik in Tilim says, literally, do not contend with those who engage in evil. Mireim is raw, those who are evil. For the old, you may see a wicked person, and yet, whatever he does is successful. For the old, not only that, even the legal system is working with him. Not only that, but this wicked person is able to overcome his enemies. So also what the Gemara seems to be saying over here is that if you see a wicked person for whom everything is going right, it could be whatever reason that person's mazel is in a good place, don't start up with him. Don't start up with him. Ini, is that so? That you shouldn't contend with a wicked person? It is permitted to contend with the wicked in this world. Because the excuse me, not Russia. Because the Pasuk in Mishlei says literally those who go ahead and leave Torah will themselves praise the wicked, but those who keep the Torah will contend with them. Rabbi which what the Pasuk seems to be saying is that Lamaisa, when you see evil, or you see something bad happening, you see someone doing you have to stand up. And if you don't go ahead and stand up, then by definition you are complicit with the performance of evil. Rabbi Dostai Bar Masun Omer, Omar, Rabbi Dostai Bar Masun said, It is permitted to contend meaning to go out and combat the wicked in this world. Listen to this. If somebody tells you not to contend with the wicked and not to go ahead and stamp out evil, somebody whispers that to you, just know, it's only someone whose heart whose heart has betrayed him, says that. I will say, this is an incredibly important episode. You know, when, when, when we see something bad happening, when we see something bad happening, so the reflexive response needs to be 
to do something about it. Now, again, it doesn't, obviously, different circumstances call for different reactions. Sometimes you do have to be quiet and wait till the right time. But what's interesting to note is that if, if I see negative things, and if it doesn't bother me, or if I see negative things and don't <coughs> feel just that that visceral hurt or that visceral, not anger, in a, but, but anger about seeing something wrong, then I will say it means that my own lave is numb. My only Vietnam, and this is a very important episode. If if evil, if negativity, if if wrong doesn't bother me, then it's libo nokfo. It means that something, some level of right and wrong has eroded within my heart itself. So the Gemara says, Elo So therefore, according to Rabbi Dostoy, what does it mean? Do not contend with the wicked. Leos kimereim means don't be like the wicked. And literally, don't go ahead and literally be jealous of those who perform the wicked. Leos avla to be like those who perform negative things. The Omer. Again, so which one is it? So on one hand, you have Rabbi Dostai telling me that you should contend with the wicked. On the other hand, you have Rabbi Yitzchak telling me that you should not contend with the wicked. So what's the pshat? To which the Gemara says, It depends what the issue is. Rabbi if you see a wicked person who is having incredible mazel and he has adversely affected your personal dealings, then it may be wise to hold your tongue for a little bit until his mazel changes. On the other hand, when it comes to spiritual matters, if you see something wrong occurring, you need to take a stand. I will say, obviously, a statement like this has to be understood in context because you can't always take a stand immediately for a whole variety of reasons. But in a vacuum, when it comes to Akadosh Baruch Hu's matters, that we have to be harif, we have to be sharp, we have to be willing to take a stand. Personal matters, if you see a, a bad person who is having a run of very good luck, it might not be the time to contend with him. I think Marcy Yibai is saying, my other possibility is, or you can even interpret both. Rabbi Dasar Yitzchak is referring to my personal matters. They're both say, who should contend with the wicked? Only the tzaddik gummer. And who should not contend with the wicked? The person who is not a tzaddik gummer. Well, saying how to define those terms is an interesting discussion in and of itself. The Amr Avuna, Avuna says, "My dechsev lama tabit bogdim tacharish bebala rasha tzadik mimenu." Say here now the Gemara is quoting the pasuk. Gemara is quoting the pasuk from Chabakuk. Literally, lama tabit bogdim. Why? Why do? Why do the? Why do those who betray look on? Tacharish, everyone's silent. Bebala Russia tzaddik mimenu. When the Russia goes ahead and swallows up the person who was a greater tzaddik than him. So the Gemara, the Gemara Darshans, this is very interesting. So tzaddik mimenu. So Russia tzaddik. I'm sorry, tzaddik mimenu. Tzaddik. I'm sorry, tzaddik mimenu balea. Tzaddik gomor eno balea. What do you see from here? The Russia is able to swallow up Pura Bosai, a person who is a tzaddik mimenu. What does that mean? So a person who is righteous, how is his righteousness measured? Because he's more righteous than the wicked person. So a person like that can be swallowed up by the wicked. However, again, a tzaddik gomor, which is a person not just of relative righteousness, but absolute righteousness, that person cannot be swallowed up by the Russia. Vibai Sema, or the other possibility is, when somebody is just having good mazel, when somebody is just having a run of good luck, lemaisa again, such a person simply should not be contended with. Okay, Amar Ula, Italia Shalyavan, 
Zekrach Godel Shalromi. Which literally means Italia sounds like Italy. The Italia Shalyavan, the Italia, which was originally of Greece, that is the largest city within the Roman Empire. And it is 300 parsos by 300 parsos. And has 365 marketplaces. Like the days of the year. Of the solar year, the Kadan Shabakulan Shemocherovos, the smallest marketplace in all the marketplaces of Italia Shalyavan, is the one where they sell birds. The Havi Shisha Asamil Shisha Asamil, and even that smallest one is sixteen mil by sixteen mil. Umelech Soid Bechayom Beechamehen, and the King of Rome dines in one of the marketplaces each and every day. Vahadarba, and one who lives in Italia Shalyavan. Even though he was not born there, Notel Prasi Beis Hamelech is supported, literally receives a stipend from the palace. Vahanolad Ba Afapishanadarba is someone who was born in Italia Shalyavan. Even if he doesn't presently live there, Notel Pras Mi Beis Hamelech also receives a stipend from the house of the king. Ushloshes Alafem Bani Yeshba, and there are, again, there are 3,000 bathhouses. In this city, and there are 500 windows in the wall of the city that channel the smoke outwards. The idea is that the walls of the city do not become blackened by the smoke, which was a sign of chashivos. On one hand, on one side is surrounded by water. On one side is surrounded by. Uh, mountains and hills. On one side it is surrounded by an iron wall. And the other side it's surrounded by literally pebbles as well as a swamp. Now I will say I'll say something amazing. Take a look at Rashi Talia Shalyavan. Rashi says over here, Krach Godol Shegodol. So I will say Italia Shalyavan literally is so what was the was the capital city of Greece that ultimately was was absorbed into the Roman Empire. Rashi here tells us how was Greece? How, how did the how did the empire of Greece come into being? This is amazing. Look at Rashi. He says, Bishvil Avon Menashe, Rashi says. Greece came into being because of the sin of Menashe. What did Menashe do? Menashe did something truly terrible in that he brought in an idol into the Beis HaMikdash. He introduced, meaning he wasn't the first king to introduce idolatry into the Jewish people, but he was the first king to actually introduce idolatry into the sacred precincts of the Beis HaMikdash. Listen to this. When Menashe did this, is amazing. Yorad Gavriel, the Na'atz Kalabayam. The Malach Gavriel came, he took a reed, and he planted the reed in the sea. And I will say what happened. Sediment began to collect around the reed. That sediment became an island. And that island became Italia Shalyavan. So he says, Me'eye Elisha, Elisha, in the Elysian Sea, Metargamina Minavos Italia. Well, so it's something amazing. So Greece came into being how? Greece came into being as a result of the sin of Menashe. Which means that, Claudius Yisrael, we create our own enemies. Quite amazing. We create our own enemies. Through our actions, we created the empire of Rome, we created the empire of Greece, which ultimately again gave birth to the empire of Rome. Quite, quite dramatic.